0: In the fall each year we all congregate The bouts all gathered at the church at Pelgin The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, well, children Faith. Ain't nothing fine, they in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing
1: Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And boss, it's, it's been a minute, homie. Way too long. Been way too long since I've seen that beautiful beard and those long locks. And we've talked about all things dogs, but I want to tell the people
0: that you look just as majestic as ever. So damn good to see you, homie. Good to see you too, man. It's been almost three months since the dogs won the ship. We're almost to G-Day. Got a lot to catch up on, but we're back and ready to start putting on some wonderful podcasts for y'all and some glorious dogs talk. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And to that point, you know, if you guys are listening and you got any ideas or things you want to hear as the summer progresses and all those things, holler at us. We're always open to ideas. We're trying to start our UJ fan series where we interview fans and have them come on and tell their stories. And we had one with the British Bulldog. Best dude there is. I mean, God, he was fantastic. Loved hearing his story. And we're got some that we're lining up. So we will we'll have some more of those. And shout out to Chris for coming on and hanging with us and telling his story. Um and looking forward to his trip too. I think we might have to make a little pilgrimage down there to have some pints with with Chris, don't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. We gotta make we gotta make that happen. He's definitely, you know, he would he would go well with us in the in the Saturday Nathans podcast den for sure. So Yeah. So yeah, we got those things coming up, and man, it's hard to believe. You say it like that—three months since they won the title. That's crazy to think about. Crazy, did not feel like
0: yeah. that long. No, it feels like it was yesterday. Still, still just, living the dream, living the high life from it, just, just living in it.
1: Yeah. So tell me this real quick: how much stuff have you bought? How much loot have you bought?
0: Not a lot, actually. I bought the the poster from Dave Helwig that he did for with the recap of all he had all the the game wins that. Posters that he does and then the one big one from the, the national championship and a tumbler. Really, that's it. Haven't bought a whole lot of stuff. Um, national championship stuff. Have, wasn't really impressed with a lot of it. I thought I was going to buy it, spend a small fortune on it, but yep. didn't really like a whole lot of the stuff. Yeah, I'm the same, homie. I haven't
1: bought a lot of stuff either. I think at the start, I was really on purpose waiting it out to make sure I was buying stuff I really loved and not just buying on emotion because my instinct was just to fill the cart up with everything and then just hit purchase and close my eyes. But I was I was good. Gosh, I got the gold medal in self-discipline and didn't do that. But now I'm like, still, I'm kind of with you. Like nothing just leaps at me. It's like, I need that. There is a locker room towel that I hope is still available that I want to buy that I think is sweet. this is where I'm at with it. I thought it was cool. All the thought they put into the dogs, national championship logo, but it didn't hit me one way or the other, but I love all the stuff that incorporates the CFP trophy in it. I just think it looks sweet. So the, the stuff that goes more to that direction I've been more into, but it's neither here nor there. We'll have to, we'll have to wait it out and see what we end up getting. I do want to get a flag of some kind to put down in my, my dog's gym. Now you boys trying to get back in shape because I got so fat drinking meat and watching the dogs this year
0: yes and uh herschel getting fat is like 160 pounds so let's just put that (laughs) out there for everyone so i still am literally two of him i'm i'm a little little full a lot of sap in the midsection right
1: now but we're gonna take care of that i'm gonna get myself right gotta get that beach body right although nobody wants to see me on the beach because my skin color is you know north north of arctic translucent (laughs) yes translucent that's right i (laughs) The sun can look at me and I will have a fifth degree burn. So, yes, I, I need to work on that.
0: I'm going to, I feel like this year is going to be much more enjoyable than last year was because there's not that angst yeah. win, or, you know, win or lose. Like it's just going to be an enjoyable experience, which I haven't had as a fan of anything since I was a kid. I'm really interested to see
1: how that plays out with not just the players, but with the coaching staff because. I just think inherently you have to be looser, right? Like there's not all of this empire state building size pressure that you're carrying around with you at all times, you know, whether they wanted to admit that and say that or not, homie, that was real. And so it's not now, but I, it's going to be interesting. I'm super excited and interested to see Saturday just to kind of see how they look and see how different guys look because as much as they're losing and they're losing a ton dude they got a lot coming back too that guys that are going to be more experienced and dude the fucking national champs so I just feel like that's got I have a feeling
0: I have a feeling this team is going to be a lot like the 18 team like losing a ton but still but now more experience from the run to the championship and is going to be very leadership driven with all of the, the, the experience coming back from the young guys stepping up, like, you know, Fromm was a, a sophomore, you know, 80 Mitchell's going to be a sophomore, but I feel like it's gonna be on the offensive side this year from the leadership standpoint, as opposed to the defense last year. So, and I feel like that's exactly how 18 was when, cause you know, you lost, Chubb and Sony but you also lost Davin Carter the almost the entire secondary was seniors that year you know you yep. lost I think you lost 6 seniors off the defense that year and Chubb and Sony everyone else on the offense was young and the offense kind of led the the charge in 18
1: yeah i think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic i just think it's going to free a lot of guys up and i i also just think it's going to show the roster depth which I know it was shown last year, but I think it's going to be even better this year because you're going to see guys just step in where NFL guys just left. And I think we've spoken about this before. Like that's the standard now. So yeah, that's, that's the benefit of what Kirby has done in recruiting and what you knew at some point, the program would reap the rewards of, And I think that's, what's going to happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they don't gel or maybe there's not strong leadership or who knows, but, They certainly are gonna have the pieces in place to be have another big year. I mean, did this I I just I start and end with it like we talked about at the end of the year last year is the schedule. Who on that schedule makes you nervous? Nobody. Nobody. I mean, they could very easily be undefeated going to the SEC title game again this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple in all honesty with that schedule, I would kind of be disappointed if they didn't.
0: There's a couple of spots depending on how other teams develop that could be potential hiccups, but we get Oregon at neutral, which you don't with Oregon with a new coaching staff, you don't know what they're going to be. And really the thing that makes me nervous about Oregon is landing's familiarity with the program. That's what makes me nervous. That's the only thing that makes me nervous about that matchup. And then Tennessee's offense against a very inexperienced defense, but we get that at home. So Mm -hmm. if that was at Tennessee, that game would make me real nervous. Because yep. that's an explosive offense against a very inexperienced defense, but also we get that game now later in the season because of the switch with Auburn. So that we'll know what the defense is at that point. Like if that game yep. was what the first week of October, like it used to be, that would make me a re- that make me a lot more nervous. And it does now, like what first week in November. So yeah, different. Animal. I mean, yeah, the way the schedule plays out, like it doesn't. Florida is going to be a dumpster fire. Is there a bigger dumpster fire than Auburn? Um, no, I mean, you, you could say Florida, but I think actually they're in better shape than Auburn is right now. Who do we have from the West this year? I don't even know. Mississippi State. Yeah, we, we go to Starkville. Oh, yeah. Starkville, away we game.
1: Starkville.
0: Yeah, we go to Starkville. That doesn't really make me nervous at all, either. Really? I mean, that's a quick hitter. As long, I mean, our sec. I think our secondary will be fine because in that game, we'll basically play dime the whole game and take our inexperienced linebackers off the field because that's really the part of the um the defense that makes me the most nervous, I think the secondary, even though it'll be inexperienced, is so talented, will be fine, but linebackers against that type of scheme would make me nervous. Yeah, I, the the defense is interesting
1: to me just because we're going to see how plug-and-play things are, and I mean, you can't discount what they're losing. They're losing a ton, and oh, yeah. I, think, I think what's going to happen is, and we're seeing it now with what the projections are draft board-wise, but the effect of losing Quay Walker and Channing Tyndall is going to seem way bigger come September than it feels right now. And I've felt that way for a long time. I think they were very, very underrated as it pertains to their value to last year's defense game changers.
0: Yeah. Without them. I mean, I mean, they basically took the loss of Adam Anderson who would have been a day one pick without all the issues. um, And made it really seem insignificant. And they're inside linebackers, not outside linebackers. So their loss is going to be huge. And you sent me that thing about Quay, you know, if he wasn't gonna be with his projections, like wanting to come back and stuff. I mean, that would have been absolutely amazing if he came back. But I mean, I mean, you can't blame him for being a top 50 kick.
1: Man, well, I love that story. Number one, because it reminds me of Roquan, but number two, it speaks once again to the coaching staff in the program wanting what's best for the player and not necessarily what's best for the program. And I love that because they all told him, are you kidding me? There's no chance you're coming back. Like, you have to go. You have to go to the draft. You are going to be – a, I mean, dude, the latest projection I saw from Kuiper has him going high second round. Yeah.
0: I saw something – I can't remember what it was. That if things fall right, we could have to- uh eight top 50 picks, but that's if things fall right, things would have to fall perfectly for that to happen. But that's that's best case scenario. I don't think that I think that's really unrealistic, but um that's just I mean, that'd be bananas top eight top 50 picks. I mean, Bama's is the only other team to do that. And that was after the what 18 season, I think. The year that I'm telling you, man, Judy Ruggs and all them, I really think somebody's gonna take a flyer on George early. Yeah, I think George, I think George at worst is gonna go early second. I don't think he's gonna fall far. I mean, he is realistically, he's AJ Green, but faster, straight up faster. Kuiper had him going to the skins at like 43, 40, whatever they pick in the second round. Mm, I don't think he'll be there. I could see him being like, you know, falling that early when I say early second like really early second like that in that chub range um you know like 34 to 38 like and someone possibly trading up to that spot to get him um because of his he's a dynamic game changer with his body size
1: I think his ball skills are so underrated too like he's so good at locating the football making an adjustment and making a grab and he does it He does it across the middle. He does it on the sideline. He does it deep. He's just uh, the other thing. And we've talked about this a bunch with him. He's a hands catcher. Yeah. Which is, which is what I think separates him. You know, he, how many times you watch him catch a ball in the body. You just don't see it. You don't see it now. And I think he, I don't How
0: Do you even think he's as developed as he could be body wise? I don't think he is. No, he's got a lot of room for thickness. Um, Especially in the in the chest and shoulder area, like I think his, I don't think his arms are going to get much bigger, but like the 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 midsection and like the core and stuff, I, I think he'll get bigger. I think his arms and his legs are about as big as he going to get, but I think all of his chest, back, and shoulders and core area could definitely get bigger.
1: Yeah. So, G day coming up Saturday. Like, what things do you want to see? What are you
0: excited to see? It's so hard to tell with a scrimmage because you just don't know what exactly we're going to get out of it. So they're not going to show any like, you know, fun wrinkles or anything like that. My biggest thing is, is like I said, I want to see what the inside linebackers are going to look like, because I think that's huge to how this next year's team is going to look. And I want to see the quarterbacks because I mean, this is Stetson's team, no matter what, if, this ends up not being Stetson's team, then we got to go through last year all over again. And honestly, I don't know if I can take it. I really don't know if I can take yeah. it again. So that's the first thing. But I want to know what's behind Stetson because who knows? I mean, what if Stetson gets hurt? Or what if Stetson has a three pick first half and we're down two touchdowns? You know, yeah. is Stetson the quarterback to lead us back from that? Who knows? So we've only had that experience with him once when he wasn't hurt in his career and we couldn't come back. So S-
1: surprise
0: scale for
1: you, one to 10 a that Carson Beck is in the program for the spring. Cause I thought for sure he was transferring as soon as uh, entering the portal, as soon as the season was over and he didn't. And also surprise meter that he has apparently
0: been one of the talks of spring practice where you at on both those. If you asked me that, the both those questions after in beginning of February, uh, definitely one out of ten, I'd say a ten on both. As it got closer to camp, him not transferring out of the program seemed more and more likely that he was going to transfer after spring. I don't know what the reasoning behind it is. I don't know if it's grades or if if it was he really thinks he has a shot at the job. I'm not sure about that. So the fact that he's the talk of camp, I mean, the kid's talented. His junior year, he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was Mr. Florida football. Yeah, I think that's right. I he, Something like that. Maybe Gatorade player
1: of the year in Florida. It, dude, he was decorated for sure.
0: Yeah. And as a junior, that's not a normally, I mean, no matter what your stats are, that's not normally a, an award that goes to a junior. Yeah. So, and his team lost several D1 players and when I say several, I don't mean like one or two. I mean, it, almost his entire offensive line. And I think it, at least two of his wide receivers went to um, play D1 ball. So a lot of people attributed his drop-off his senior year to that. Now, I don't follow Florida high school football, so I don't know how much truth there is to that. But you know, when you read about stuff about recruiting circles, that's what you find out. So the kid's talented. It's... Is he going to put it all together and be able to realistically do it at the D1 level? I don't know that. Now, I remember you were at GDA last year and you said that he just didn't seem like he had it. But if he's developed the way that everyone seems to think he has, I mean, maybe he's put it together and maybe he really pushes Stetson this year. But we won't, I don't think we're going to know that on Saturday. I don't think we're going to know that until the regular season. Now I'll tell you
1: Saturday for me, I'm, I'm as interested to see Brock Vandergriff as I am to see anybody, because what did I tell you last year? After, after we watched G day, I was like, dude, looks like most ready guy on the roster. Like I thought he looked like he could be a prime time type player. And I'm very interested to see how he looks a year later with growth in the program, being in the weight room, uh, being in the film room, being on the sidelines all year, like I'm very interested to see how he looks from a reaction perspective, from a making plays perspective. I mean, obviously it's watered down because they can't be hit, so you don't really know. But I thought kind of what was tantalizing about him was his ability to extend plays, and you saw it a bunch of times during G day last year. The thing that made me nervous watching Carson last year, it's never been about physical capability with him. Ton of arm talent and good body kid and makes all the throws, all those things. It's just, he seems to me like somebody who the moment overcomes. That's what I felt like watching him because the entire first half of G day, he was all over the place. I mean, there were a couple of times that Arian Smith was almost to millage and with nobody even close to him and Carson overthrew it, or it was nowhere in the vicinity. And that's hard that's, to do. How do you overthrow Arian? Hundred percent. That's what we kept saying. So that's what I'm interested to see with him is how he looks on that platform. Um, but but again, back to what you are saying earlier. By all accounts, this is all just fodder for who's going to be the backup. It has nothing to do with the actual quarterback race. And I, I, for one, think that's a good thing. I think if you win the national championship, it's your job, homie. <laughs> Period. Hard stop. And let it roll that way. And to be honest with you, I am very interested to see how Stetson looks and develops with it being his gig. Because there's some security in that. And I think that will make him looser, which I think for him is good. I think he plays better looser. I don't think he plays as great going, oh, God, am I going to get yanked? Are they going to hook me here?
0: Yeah. So I'm interested He's, to see how he he is. He, I mean... I'm not comparing the physical or talent wise from Stetson to this, but he's got a a lot of his uh, of uh, that Tony Romo swagger, gunslinger, Brett Favre gunslinger type mentality that he thinks he can make every throw and can fit it into any window. And there were only a couple instances last year where I felt like we saw that definitely UAB was one of them. Um, You saw it. I I think you saw it the third and in the fourth quarter against um, Bama with a game on the line, but in the, in the, um, in the national championship, but I don't feel like you really saw it. Like there was a lot of tense moments throughout, throughout the season with Bennett. And I don't think you saw that him really let it rip. Like he would have preferred. I, I thought orange
1: bowl. He played probably as loose as he played all season. Other than UAB. I mean, you did UAB was unreal. I mean, and I don't care that it was UAB just doing what he did that day. And some of the throws that he made was
0: ridiculous. So, but I thought he played super loose orange balls. Well, I'm going to be pretty completely transparent. My memory of the orange bowl is pretty hazy. So <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I had a lot <laughs> of uh, adult beverages that day. Um, it was so it was tinged, tinged with brown water. Is that what you're telling? Me? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Okay. Was. So okay. I know yeah, the I feel that you played excellent, but my memory of, of like specific details other than seeing replays of certain plays, which mostly were on the defensive side of Jalen Carter. Uh, honestly, um, I don't really remember a whole heck of a lot of that game,
1: <laughs> man. I'll tell you who else I'm excited
0: to see Saturday. I'm excited to see Mr. Gilbert. Yeah, just to me too. I mean, this will be the first just, time he stepped on the field since before uh, LSU, Florida, right? He no, he didn't play in that game. It was the week before was his last game.
1: Yeah, in so twenty twenty, and I'm just excited to see him in that offense and kind of see what they do and how they move him around. And he's he's obviously a huge piece that I feel like is not getting talked about a lot as an entry point into twenty twenty two season is this weapon X that you have essentially where. You could have him in tight or you could split him out. I mean, I think they just got a lot that they can do with him. So he's, he, I think he's a compelling piece. I i don't think he's going to get full run because I don't think he's full contact yet, but man, Arian Smith's another one. I mean, you know how I feel about Arian Smith. Yeah. So I, I'm well, pumped to see what he looks like going into the fall and everything, but yeah, man, if, I think they have the opportunity if everyone stays healthy, which again, always gigantic caveat. They could be better offensively this season than they were last season. Don't you
0: think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If Darnell stays, again, big if, I don't even want to get in that speculation because I've been all over the board with that, whether he was going to stay or go. I I honestly have no idea what he's going to do. I hope he stays. If he leaves, I wish him the best, just like everyone else. If Darnell stays, and our three tight end set is Arik, Brock, and Darnell, I, yeah, that would it's be bananas. my base set. <laughs> that would be my play yeah. set, hundred percent. it'd
1: be bananas, man. I almost think you could do some stuff like the um, like the old Joe Gibbs Redskins offenses used to do, where yeah. you have Brock be a true H. I mean, what did what did what did Coach Munkin call him last preseason? Said he was an F. Said he could play <laughs> a bunch of different spots. Yeah. So, I think I think there's there's some capability for that, and I think Darnell's going to be your more traditional Y, and then. Again, I think, I think Arik's more of your YX. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like you yeah. could do different stuff with him. And then I, I think Brock, in so many ways, is an H, like Chris Cooley esque from the second Gibbs tenure with what you could do with him. Um, a weapon in the passing game can block. I, I mean, he's obviously more dynamic than Cooley was, but man, they could do a lot of cool stuff. And I think both of those backs, whether it's Kenny or whether it's Kendall, would be awesome in the single back set with an H-back. I don't think either one of those guys necessarily needs a lead blocker. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, I think they're, they both have the capability to bust big plays and have home runs. And you know, your boy is fired up to see Kenny he, Mack get yeah. yeah. all the run, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited about the running backs. I'm, ex- I tell you what, man, I'm excited about, cannot wait for the freshman running backs to, to see what they're going to look like. I just want to see what Branton looks like in pads. Good lord. Yeah, so he he enrolls summer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not going to be on Saturday. He's summer rolling. Yeah. I'm just 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 I mean, he looks like a tank already and he's, you know, 18. I, I cannot wait to see what that kid looks like. Dude, he looks like a Marvel character. Like he looks like somebody <laughs> drew him drew him for a comic. Yeah, That's what he looks It's like. ridiculous. But I I mean, I don't want to harp on the line because that just seems to be my go to every year. But, and I don't think we're going to know what the line is going to look like till fall because Tate's not healthy. He can't, yeah. he can't, when Tate, and we don't know if Tate's going to be healthy for fall yet. They say he's going to be healthy, but that's a weird injury to come back from the list Frank surgery. Yep. So it, he may not be healthy at all this year. And if he's not, the guard play is going to, could be an issue again because yeah. we need Tate to stabilize that. I think you got your center and your tackles are set again and who knows who the guards are going to be.
1: Yeah. It's all going to be an interesting dynamic. And I think and we've talked about this before, I think in so many ways, the line is an interesting dynamic because you have individual positions, but they're, they're a five man unit. So it's as much about finding the five that play the best together as it is about finding the best five. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like I would, I would take a guy at a position who maybe is not, the most talented player that we have at that position, if he fits best with the sum of the parts. So that's kind of where I sit on, on the O-line. I think the one spot where that's not true, maybe two spots, left tackle, obviously I you yeah. want, you want the best left tackle there talent wise. That's who you want build the rest around it. But I'll tell you for me, importance wise, and I know you're biased about it, but center is the most important personal line for me. And to have, SVP back, and I, I just think that's huge for that line, and I think he'll fix some deficiencies just by his leadership and his smarts. I mean, I just think that's real. So yeah. y- you feel great about that as your base point, and then to have two anchors on the outside too, we can figure out guard. And if we can't figure out guard, something has gone really wrong <laughs> because that line's plenty talented from a recruiting
0: perspective to fill those slots and roll. The biggest thing that makes me nervous about the line, and this ties into Mims transferring, is is if Broderick or Warren go down, well, really Broderick goes down, our backup left tackle right now is a true freshman. And a true freshman yeah. in the SEC at left tackle, Oh man, that makes me nervous. But, yeah, you know, I mean, you can't, point, we can't worry about that. You know, you can't worry about that. No, and talent's got to play, you know.
1: If it happens early, it happens early. Right. I always try to look at those things if they were to happen as a blessing in disguise. Because what's happening is you're just getting trial by fire. You're getting christened in the heat, essentially, instead of getting eased into it. And I'm all right with that. I I think the way to learn and the way to get better is to play. I mean, yes, you need to bide your time and get strong and learn in the in the film room and all those things, but Dude, there's no substitute for action and doing it and figuring it out. So if that were to happen, Hey, so, so be it. All right. So I don't want to completely pay it off G day, but what? Like 12 days after G day is the draft. And just like the dogs did in Indy, they're fixing to steal the show with draft too. I mean, projections are showing 14 being very, very realistic for guys. They get drafted. Very realistic. And that doesn't even include all of their draft eligible players. Now I'll, I'll caveat that with that 14 I'm saying includes Adam Anderson. So yeah. that would, that would include Adam Anderson being drafted. And I think all the projections I've seen so far, the two that don't get listed thus far are Jake Camarda and John Fitzpatrick. So
0: dude, after seeing Charlie Warner go, I, I think John Fitzpatrick very draftable. Yeah. I think, I think he's a sixth, seventh round pick. So yeah. just like Warner was, and I think he's going to get a lot of run in the league, just like Warner is as yep. a second or third tight end on teams and special teams guy. Because that's the great thing about the Georgia does with their players is a lot of these guys play special teams and yep. the the stars play special teams. So that before Zamir came back and had his good had the good year that he did this last year, if he decided to go last year, I still think still thought that Zamir was going to get drafted and have a good career because he plays special teams. Yeah. A lot of people, I remember people I talked to besides, you know, outside the Georgia fan base were like, oh, you know, he's slow, he's mediocre running back coming off two ACLs, blah, 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 blah. He's not going to make it in the league. I'm like, teams need third running backs and they need goal line backs and they need people who play special teams. They're going to want players like that. That's a value in the league.
1: Yeah, man. I I just think this is another opportunity for the program to be in the bright lights. And there are going to be so many guys called from the University of Georgia. And it's just the continued growth of the program. And I, I know we I feel like we harp on this a lot, but this is the evolution of the program. This is what Kirby Smart has done. And this is why we've always said we, are, we trust in Kirby Paul Smart. And this is it, man. This is, this is part of it. This is what you're seeing. And you think that doesn't help for them to go into living rooms next year and go, hey, you know, you know we had 14 guys drafted last year. Thank you. Thank you, should Come play for us.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I, what if a player like, what if Trayvon goes number one? Yeah. Trayvon, not a superstar on the defense, but that was a player that was developed by Georgia and by, you know, Trey Scott and the defensive coaches, not considered a superstar player on the defense, not a name recognition on the defense, but ends up being, you know, the number one overall traffic. Which is a very realistic possibility.
1: This isn't
0: very realistic possibility. This isn't one of those situations where two weeks before the draft, there's a lot of misinformation coming about. They've been talking about this for four weeks now, so that he's a very realistic possibility. Yeah, man.
1: You just have to imagine too that he has interviewed so well. That's always what's impressed me about him. I mean, he's such an impressive kid. And dad's a Marine, right? So, I, yeah. man, I just, I bet you talk about a kick ass ambassador for your franchise, too. So, and in all honesty, that's what the Jags need. No I kidding. Mean, they need Sable. an anchor defensively. I've been sending people, you know, this is the time of year when people who aren't Georgia fans, you get texts from them about, like, what do you think of this guy? Because they're thinking about their NFL team. And I've gotten so many texts about Trayvon and like, what do you think about Trayvon? Like, what do you think? And I send the same clip to everyone and it's the clip of the tip pass versus Florida that no one. Florida, ever the- yeah. Yeah. It's just such a freakish highlight. I think like a man of that size at that position
0: should not be able to move like a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite's the one where he chased down the Obama wide receiver in the national championship. Oh, that's a good one, too. Like, 30 yards downfield. Like, I mean, that's probably a touchdown if he doesn't catch that guy. 100%. And You know what's interesting? That was very
1: much, watching the game in Indy, a throwaway play. Where, watching it, you go, oh, yeah, great play. Way to hustle. But, watching the film over and over, because that's been on a loop a lot, especially since the combine, you go, that play is now, in my brain, one of the top five plays of that game. Because...
0: Completely changes everything if that turns when into a you, touchdown. When <clears throat> you see it, you don't realize the angle, I think it was Chris Smith, has at that point. Because when you're watching it on TV, at least when I remember the play, it looked like Chris Smith had a good angle and would have made the play if Trayvon didn't. Yep. Or maybe it was seen. I don't remember which safety it was. But when you see it from like the SkyCam, because I've watched the National Championship game several times from the SkyCam view, there was no way that Smith was going to make it there. There was just yeah. no way that it was going to be the Jameis Williams Williams touchdown um, all over again in the yeah. SEC championship game, just on the other side of the field. Yeah, I mean, well, let me ask you
1: this: ballpark. We did this last year, and what did we end up? We what did we say last year? We said we thought they'd get ten drafted. You last said year. eleven. I said <coughs> I said thirteen. So, dude, I think fourteen is very realistic. But yeah. the thing I'm more interested in, I mean, the top fifty thing, I think is a big deal. But I'm interested to see what ends up playing out in the first round. Because here's my shake on it now. I think, and I want to almost lock this in, they're getting Trayvon, Jordan, N'Kobe, Lewis, and Devontae all first round. I think. I think they're all going first round. So that's five. I'm iffy on Lewis.
0: I think Lewis is going I'm, back end. I, I think that 40 time changed everything. I'm Ifion Lewis. I think George has a better shot of sneaking in the back of the first round than Lewis does.
1: Okay, so that was that was what I was going to say. Because of the position, I could be convinced very easily that they get six. Because I am, as it gets closer and closer, getting more and more convinced somebody is taking a flyer on George. Somebody's going, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here, we're talking about a guy who has these measurables, ran this coming off the ACL. And we've got tape showing him after the ACL making game changing plays. He makes a huge catch in the SC championship game, makes a huge catch in the title game. So like somebody's going to go, yep, we're doing it. We're pulling the trigger on him. We need a receiver. He's the game maker. We need game changer. We need, we're taking it. I think to your point, it is position driven though. I think you're much more likely as a GM to make pull that trigger than you are to go, let's take scene at safety. I agree with that.
0: I think that's about see the issue the issue once you get in the back half of the first round is teams are trying to trade up for for game changers. So yeah. that's you're trying to get people trying to jump back into the first round. There's a potent, possibly a quarterback that slides, something like that. And that's where this number, this five, six number may switch to four. That's my only concern because most of our because other than George, all of the people we're talking about are defense. So yeah. that's where I think that the number could be could be as low as 4. I think we definitely get 4 and but it could be up to 6 just depending on how the trades flow in the that latter third of the first round. It just depends because you don't know, I mean it's a weak weaker quarterback class. I'll never say it's a weak quarterback class until the games are played cuz you just never know. So you just don't know how the how it's going to play out. I and mean, what let's say let's say no quarterback's drafted in the first 15 picks and all those quarterbacks are sitting there and there's quarterback hungry teams all those teams are going to try to trade back into the back half of the first round.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the, the difficult part to prognosticate with all that. And all the projections I've seen for Lewis going in the first round are at 32 to the Lions, which, by the way, would be with the pick they got in the Stafford trade, which there'd be some beautiful symmetry to that. Just George all around. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter because I think it's, it's equally as impressive to say... We had eight guys taken in the first two rounds. I mean, that's outrageous. Outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: Especially
1: think very getting, I think very easily we could have 10 in the first in the first two days. Yeah. Well, so James and, and Zeus are the wild cards here, right? Is yeah. are they
0: both going to flow into round two? And I think that's very possible. I don't think they're gonna get in round two. I think they think they're both third round picks. I think because the running back position is devalued, I think they're both third round picks. I would be but shocked. If James falls out of the third round, there seems like so much value for him in the third round. I think this is where I get really, this is where it's that time of year where you just don't know what exactly teams believe, but it seems like there's a lot of people who are starting to sour on him, which I don't really understand the reasoning. There's no team that really runs a true one back system anymore. Every team is a platoon. Right yep. now, he's a perfect complement to pretty much anybody in the league. He's not a true one. He's a, definitely a one-one A or one B. He's going to need a running mate. He's not going to carry the ball twenty times a game like his brother. He's just not that type of running back. But his you brother know, really isn't built to do that anymore either. You know where I'd like to see him land? Where
1: Kansas City? Good Lord,
0: he's perfect,
1: dude. I mean, I, I just feel like you look at what Andy Reid's done with running backs historically in his, in his career. Tell me he doesn't have some
0: Brian Westbrook in him. No, I can see that. I also think he'd, he'd, he'd go real well as a compliment to Joe Mixon in Cincy. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd be great in
1: Cincy. That's, that's another good one. And I love that because I would – and one of the reasons I mentioned Kansas City, I love seeing guys who are skilled players land in franchises that have established quarterbacks. Because it just increases the likelihood that they'll be successful. That's why I hate the projection of George going to DC. Dude, I don't want him stuck with Carson Wentz. Like, I'd rather these guys end up with people who can feed them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I didn't even think about James to Cincinnati. Man, I'd love that. You know, I like that Bengals team. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, I kind of rooting for
0: that now. Bengals could dark horse be flowing into it for me. I love watching them play. I would not be surprised if Cincy goes after Seen either, depending on w- how things fall in their draft, if they keep their spot at the end of the first round, they could be a landing spot for Lewis. Um, I, think that's a, I think that's a great spot. Because their, their they lost the safety in free agency if I remember correctly. That's correct. Um, I mean, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the NFL anymore, but I'm pretty sure that one of their draft needs a safety. This is really the only time I pay attention to the NFL is when the draft comes up. <laughs> So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm juiced
1: about it though, because there's going to be so many dogs. Like I, you know, I love the draft anyways, just as a spectacle, yeah. but, um, I'm, I'm fired up about it this year because just with all the draft stuff happening, they're going to have a lot of focus coverage on the guys that we love. So it's almost going to be like getting to relive 2020, the 2021 season again, it's Gonna be all these clips and all this stuff talking about these particular guys, which again, beautiful showcase for the program. I, I saw an article that mentioned Kirby might go out. For first round
0: Which I think would be awesome I would not be surprised Because I mean how many if, if they're talking about Possibly five in the first round That, that should be At least Half of three of them Should be in the green room Yeah so I was going to ask when are, when are they I'm glad you brought that up When are they doing the Green room invites When will we know that Closer uh, to We should know I would imagine The draft's what The 27th 26th is the first round? 20, that Thursday is 28th, 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 Thursday. Yeah. So we sh- I would say we should know middle of next week at the latest.
1: So lock, Trayvon's
0: a lock, he's a green room invite. Yeah.
1: I would say I would say Jordan's a
0: green room invite just from the personality. Personality, Personally. yeah. Probably and I would say probably Nakobi because of the personality too. Yeah, those are the three I think will get invites.
1: Maybe Devontae. We'll see.
0: But I think those three for sure will get invites. Yeah, I think those three will get invites, and I would not be surprised if you know. I mean, I would expect Kirby to be there for those three. I mean, I would expect Kirby probably Laning will be there to support him to support uh, to support N'Kobe. Um, Schumann will probably be there, which is, also, this is all. This all this all be great exposure. I would not be surprised if Cham's there too. I mean, all those guys to, to support. Shu Shoo is becoming my favorite hype man. <laughs>
1: He's just all about giving his boys shine, and I love it. Love it. I mean, you know how, man, I'm excited to see where Channing goes. That's my guy. I got to see where the Falcon yeah. lands. I really want him to end up a Falcon. I'm going <laughs> I'm going to... I, I mean, it
0: is a dumpster fire of an organization, but
1: I, I just need to manifest that so that that creation lives forever.
0: <laughs> well, I was really hoping... Uh, completely off-tangent topic, but I'm pretty sure a bunch of people that listen here are Falcons fans. So... As a dogs fan. And as, as much as a dumpster fire is as the Falcons organization is right now, there are a lot of Georgia fans who are Falcons fans who I knew were actually thought it was very comical that until they traded for Mariota were that Felipe Franks was the, was QB one there for like a week. Oh God. What
1: a, what a mess. That whole thing was like you whiff on the trade for Watson, which that's a whole nother conversation. What a spectacle that whole thing is, but dude, I, I kind of get it in Cleveland, right? Because they think their roster is good enough to make a push. And they, yeah. they they obviously don't think Baker's the guy. So, okay, whatever. You take a flyer on what I think is an absolute dumpster fire in and of itself with Deshaun Watson, but that's a whole other conversation. But the Atlanta thing, I don't understand. Like, are we really saying – what you're saying there is that organizationally we think Matt Ryan's part of the problem. Is that
0: really what we're saying? That seems insane to me. Are, you think he's not a top ten quarterback? I mean, come on. I don't understand what that. Atlanta's problem is is that they've they've tried to retool for the last what since the Super Bowl instead yeah. of rebuild. And homie, of of all of it, Colts come out just
1: smelling like absolute frickin' roses. I know. You you know. dump Wentz, who is a just trash bag, and you get Matt Ryan who. <laughs> By any and all accounts, it's just world-class human being. I mean, yeah. and a great, great player, so dude, it's a boon for the Colts, and you talk about a roster that's primed and ready to roll. Yeah. Great, Plus, great offensive
0: line, great defense, great running back. Which I all think is perfect for Matt Ryan, because he's an older prototype quarterback where
1: yeah. that that offense is built very well for the things that he does well, and Atlanta was not. So, yeah, great for him.
0: Atlanta needs a quarterback like Mariota because he's going to be running for his damn life. Running for his life. Matt Ryan's going to be like, it, uh, he would never come out and say this because he's too much of a class act,
1: but he had to be like, thank you, God, for getting <laughs> me out of that. Dude, he's getting older. He's only got a few more shots left, probably. Yeah, And Indy's a good shot for him. Plus, it's still indoors, so you don't have to fool with the elements. They play in the AFC South, so most places they play on the road are warm. I mean, I know they got to go to Tennessee, but it's not like it gets that cold that early, anyways. So yeah, yeah, it's not that great.
0: Not that a great a division.
1: Sorry, I'm not trying to delve into the NFL here, but it is all interesting. And you know, Boston. I've said many times that the NFL has just become about us rooting for former dogs and where they end up. So that's what my Sundays have become about.
0: You do have a BC connection, so being up in Boston, school up up in New England, so up in Boston.
1: Yeah, I was actually uh, at. The Boston College-Florida State game during the Nor'easter when BC was number two in the country with Matty Ice and Florida State came in there and beat them, it was, a, it was a turf game for Florida State. They have these big games in their program where they declare it's going to be a turf game and then if they win, they rip up – or no, not a turf game, sod game. So they rip up a piece of the sod and they have a sod cemetery in Tallahassee where they bury all the pieces of sod, like dead bodies essentially, from their big That's upset funny. wins. So the BC game that year was a sod game and they ripped up a piece of the field turf, took it back to Tallahassee and buried that son bitch. But homie, when <laughs> I say Nor'easter, I mean like we were in freaking oil skins and slickers watching the game. I'll have to send no you the picture. I have a picture from, and it was so cold, but yeah, Jeff flew up. My brother, Jeff, who's a huge Florida State fan, flew up with his wife and the four of us all went to the game. I'll send you the pics.
0: Okay, sorry, another tangent, folks. Tell everybody what's going on with your brother. Oh man, he's El Queso Jefe. Yeah, okay. Explain this now. I'm in Virginia, so they, they don't know what this says probably, but it's a it's a very interesting story. He's become like a local local legend here in, in Richmond, Virginia.
1: Yeah, so there's a, a restaurant locally, and it's a it's a nationwide chain. I don't think there's a ton of them, but a place called Rusty Taco, and His really, really good buddy and um, guy he coaches with, travel baseball and stuff, owns Rusty Taco. So it it really was all about supporting his buddy, right? And obviously a huge baseball fan. So decides that – and also this is like second franchise they've opened in the Richmond area, and it's close to my brother's house in this area called Short Pump. So yeah, so he – being a big baseball fan decides that he's going to do the rusty taco streak and go there 56 straight days to match the Joe DiMaggio hitting streak. So yeah, he ate at rusty taco for 56 straight days. And it was really cool about, I guess it was a little under halfway through, but maybe, maybe a third of the way through announced that he was going to uh, start taking donations um, for the cause and he donated all the donations to this organization called, I think it's called Finnegan's Challenge. Is that right? Am I, yeah. am I remembering that right? And cool organization. They do really, really great work. And so that's how it all played out. And um, yeah, when the streak was over, a couple of local outlets picked it up and were running stories about it. It's been cool to watch. But yeah, they, they nicknamed El Queso Jefe because yeah. that's what my boy gets every time he goes is the Queso. He'll cut you <laughs> for some Queso.
0: It's been very interesting. It's been very interesting to see it all unfold on social media.
1: Yeah. I love it because it's a, uh, I think it's such a beautiful embodiment of who Jeff is, you know, biggest heart of anybody you ever meet in your life and about as loyal as anybody you'll ever meet. So I think it just encapsulates all that in one. Cause he's at the end of the day, supporting his buddy, just wants his buddy to succeed and, and his restaurant to do well, but then also finds a way to turn it into something that does good for other people. So yeah, man, I just think it's a perfect embodiment of who my brother is. One of the best people ever. So, Yeah, man. Okay, so Jefe, shout him out. Go donate to the Finnegan Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, before you go, i gotta ask you one more thing. All right. uh, did you see that Reardon cast who Percy Jackson's going to be for the new TV show?
0: Yes, I did, and I'm so happy about it because just, we just watched Adam Project. Uh, he's great. He's a great. Couple days ago. Oh, he's great. Walt, Walt Walker Scoble or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I think I think he'll be great, and I love the fact that they're starting it like the books, where he's actually like twelve when when the show when the books start, so, as opposed to already being a, oh, a middle teen. So Nolan said the same thing, and then when I asked him about it, I said, "Dude, are you so Nolan's my son." I said,
1: "Yeah, you you excited about them casting the, the kid from Adam Project." He was, yes, but, and I go, but he's like, yes. This is my problem with the movies and with this casting. Percy Jackson in the book has green eyes. None of these characters have green eyes, and it's really bothering me. He's like, Mimi told me that they could put context on him, but I'll believe it when I see
0: it. <laughs> I and said, oh.
1: that is your son. I said, Oh, I can't wait to tell the boss man that.
0: <laughs> that is spectacular. Yeah, that's so like you. That, yeah, yeah takes after you. Things yeah, got to be I love, perfect.
1: I love that. So that, that made me laugh. So that's what we're watching out for is to see if. If young Percy's going to have green contacts and green eyes, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, that's great! All right, well, we will. Uh, we will be back next week with the GDA recap and a lead up to the NFL draft. That's going to be the UGA draft. So yes, it's going to be fantastic. And until until then, until next time, friends, go dogs, sick. go dogs. Hey, George is better now.